You're listening to the Butterfly Effect Podcast, episode number 28. Today I'm sitting down with my best friend in the whole wide world, Braden Stevenson, co-owner of CrossFit Ladysmith. We dig into everything it's like to run a CrossFit gym during a pandemic, how to excel in the sport of CrossFit, and what it truly means to be coachable. If you enjoy this episode, all I ask is that you screenshot it and share it on your social media story or feed to show your love. If you have a second to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud, the show can continue to grow and expand its listeners. Taking the time to share it with your followers and subscribers will totally help keep it thriving, so I can continue to bring you quality episodes like the one you listen to today. This is the Butterfly Effect Podcast, and I'm Ashlyn Newlove, tackling everything from fitness, nutrition, business, life, ice cream cones, and everything else in between to help inspire people to make one change that causes their ripple effect. The Butterfly Effect Podcast is brought to you by The Sweat Effect. If you love delicious tasting protein bars that also happen to be low calorie, then Built Bars are the answer. My clients love reaching their goals while eating foods that actually taste good, and Built Bars are my number one recommendation for them. If you would like to try them out, use promo code SWEATEFFECT to receive a discount on your order as well as free shipping. Welcome to episode number 28. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach helping people have fun, keep fit, and reach their goals while they're at it with my online program, The Sweat Effect. Eight years ago, a tall blonde dancer started at the CrossFit gym I was coaching at to build some muscle for an upcoming Cirque du Soleil edition he had coming up. We ended up becoming friends, digging into the competitive side of CrossFit together, and I even followed his footsteps as he made the move from Saskatchewan to BC to enjoy this beautiful island we're both living on now. Welcome to the show, Brayden. Thanks. Okay, so you kind of have a like a crazy bit of a backstory, but what would you, how would you introduce yourself to people? Who is Brayden Stevenson? <laughs> the loaded question. It is. Um, I would say... Dancer, grew up small town Saskatchewan, um, ended up finding fitness quite a bit later in life than I guess, I guess I shouldn't say that because I have a lot of people here that start late, but for me, fitness definitely wasn't a thing that was an aspect of my life until... But dance was. But dance was, absolutely. That's the thing. Um, I, I should have put that in the intro too. Yeah, we're both, we're, we're, we have a lot of crazy things in common. We actually live very close. We're from hometowns that are very near each other. How many people live in Lanigan? 1,200. Oh, yeah, you're much bigger than Imperial, like 300. <laughs> oh, I thought he was Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Imperial. Simpson is the t- next t- town over. I think there may be, I couldn't even say maybe 100 people that live there. Maybe not even that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even have a school anymore, right? Now. Okay, there we're you just, go. We're just hanging on. But, yeah, we have a lot of things in common. So both small towns. Um, I mean, I danced for like a year when I was 13, <laughs> so you can add that to my list of things in common. And I also got into, if we're saying like fitness, like working out later in life. Um, but yeah, like I think your your story on how you started CrossFit was actually a pretty cool one, if you want to tell it. I think it's cool for everyone else. It's a little bit painful for me, but no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. So I had... Spent a couple t- summers in Montreal and was trying to pursue a professional career. Um, I had previously had a professional dance career. I'd spent some time in Japan, some time on cruise ships, um, doing various jobs in the dance world. And then I had set my sights on Cirque du Soleil. And after meeting with a casting agent, uh, she had just basically said that 
she would like me to gain weight, like get stronger, kind of beef up a little bit just to represent more of that masculine role that they had kind of envisioned. Right, um, because you were going to be auditioning for a specific show, correct? Generally, I think once you're cast, it's it's fairly open as to what show you would be in. Mm. However, because she had specifically said to me the role that she had seen that I could potentially be involved in, um, that's why I kind of had a little bit more of a laser focus on what I needed to do to get that role. Right, and that was in Zumanity in Las Vegas was the one that you kind of had. That was the goal. That yeah. was the ultimate goal, yeah. Um, yeah, she needed, you needed to beef up. Yep. You needed to get, have some more muscle. Exactly. And then you found CrossFit. Yeah, and it's funny that I found CrossFit because when we started CrossFit, the paleo world was kind of the up-and-coming thing. People were eating paleo food, right? And that was what you were supposed to do. However, the funny thing is I was actually paleo before I found CrossFit, and I found CrossFit because of the various forums that I was on looking for things that were more in line with the paleo diet, which is hilarious. I actually did not know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like everybody does, that has done CrossFit has tried, like back in the day, nobody tries paleo anymore, but um, everybody who like tried CrossFit back then always did the paleo diet, but I didn't know anything about it until I started doing CrossFit. Now that I know more about diet and kind of what it would take to build muscle, I definitely went about it the wrong way. I don't <laughs> think CrossFit and paleo is how you get huge and beefy as what in my mind I had envisioned when I stepped foot in that gym for the first time. But I was doing what I knew at the time, right? Yeah. And I mean, you, like you said, you weren't doing anything for like, you know, in the gym stuff at that point. So it's kind of like, what do I do? That was the same as us. We were like, okay, we're out of shape. Like, what do I do? Ours was a group on what did, you had heard about it in some forums and stuff. This, this CrossFit thing. Yeah. I literally happening. just Googled CrossFit in Saskatoon, realized there was a couple gyms, um, phoned one, couldn't really get my like foundations classes set up to get started so I just picked up the phone phoned a different one and I was booked in within a few minutes and the rest is history that's crazy yeah um yeah I'm sad about the Cirque du Soleil thing I always had this vision of us coming to stay with you in Vegas <laughs> <laughs> just kidding now look at what happened I now know. we both live out here um yeah so dance career like let's just rewind a little bit because that's like you had lived a pretty crazy life with dance. Absolutely. Like, how did you go from literal farm kid in Lanigan, Saskatchewan, to like dancing around the world? So there's definitely a bit of luck, I think, that comes into play. Just I was in the right time or the right place at the right time. However, the years that had led up to like those auditions is, I guess, the work that goes into it, right? So at 13, I moved to Winnipeg to attend the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. I stayed there for two years. However, Ultimately, I knew I didn't want to become a ballet dancer. It just wasn't where my passion was. But I also understood that growing up in small town Saskatchewan, the level of training I would get at a professional school would allow me to just have a better career. And you had just danced in Lanigan before that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when you were 13, you decided to pack your bags, move out of your parents' place and move to Winnipeg. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. It is. And it seems insane to me right now. Um, I was three years older, I think, than the oldest people or than the youngest ones there. Like somewhere there at 10 or 11 years old, grade six, I believe, and was the youngest. They were living provinces away from their family. Oh, yeah. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. So do you live, like, do they have dorms? or There's do a residency right on site. So 
right next to the ballet building. You wouldn't even have to go outside to get from the ballet building into the residency. So is it as cutthroat as you see on TV shows? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's a little less dramatic in the real world. Oh, okay. Yeah. So two years in Winnipeg. Two years. I did grade eight and grade nine. Okay. Um, kind of at grade nine, my mom had said like, because of the way credits work for high school, if you're going to stay, you're for like another year, it would probably be best to graduate there. And that was just because there's a certain amount of credits that you can get through dance um, if you're in Winnipeg. However, if I kind of did grade 10 and 11 in Winnipeg, then ended up moving home for grade 12, I might end up being credit short, not having the right amount of classes. And that was just something that we didn't really want to delve into. Right. So we just made the decision that because ultimately I knew I wasn't going to be a professional ballet dancer, I had done a couple years, I had learned a lot, grown a lot. Um, it was probably best to come home. Okay, so then where did you go from Winnipeg? I lived in Lanigan, moved back home for two years. Two years again. And then in grade 12, I had made the decision that I just needed to go to a studio that... Um, I wanted to go to a studio that was used to putting boys through, right? Mm -hmm. Having a teacher that understands how male dancers need to be different than the female dancers, mm -hmm. right? There's like that role that you have to play. Um, so I just, there was a studio in North Battleford, mm -hmm. Saskatchewan, and Virginia Winterhalt is the, was the owner at the time. And she was just someone that from seeing her students at competitions kind of my entire life growing up, I realized that there was something special about that studio. Mm -hmm. So grade 12, I don't recommend people moving in grade 12. It wasn't the best decision socially, but you know what? It was fantastic. And I did meet a lot of great people there. So no yeah, regrets. And you still have some friends there. Even. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't know that actually, that that's why you chose North Battleford. Um, so if you've listened to my previous podcast, you guys know that I lived at a little lake community near North Battleford. So that's like our another, another one of our connection links, which is right. also very weird. And uh, then you started your, like your, dance career in traveling around the world. At yeah. That so by the time I had graduated high school, I had booked Tokyo Disney. So I think I left on like the 20th of July. So that's where I was kind of talking about that luck. Like, I don't think there's a lot of professional dancers who can graduate high school and already have a job booked. Mm -hmm. So that was the coolest thing ever. And but I, I don't think what people would understand is like Tokyo Disney is different than if you were to be a dancer at Disneyland in like Los Angeles. Correct? Absolutely. Well, when you're there, you're there to portray a role, right? Um, the reason they're going to hire foreign dancers is because the people they want to step on stage as the princes and the princesses, they need to look that role. So being six foot one, blonde hair, blue eyes, I typically fit that Disney character role fairly well. Oh, uh, yeah. Again, never thought, of, but also with that came like a little bit of fame too over in Japan, did it not? Japan's kind of funny. Um, yeah, there's, they have, they were just called fans of the show and they would come and they would watch the show um, sometimes multiple times per day, multiple <gasps> days per week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we did the show five days or five times a day and I was there five days a week. So 25 shows. How long shows. Was the show? 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. No, they're not long. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of activity in a day. Yeah. No. Okay. So how long were you there? So I did eight months in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, then when I came home... I, I sent in some videos. So they're called demo reels. Basically, it's just you dancing so people can see what your abilities are. And I managed to book uh, a couple cruise ship contracts off of 
And you those. left Dis- Disney Japan because of a torn meniscus, right? No, that was round two. Oh, you this... went back again. Yeah. God, I'm the worst friend. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Okay, so you had your yeah, show. Yeah, so contract one was good, full eight months. Um, came home, did two contracts with Princess Cruises. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was super cool because we started in the Mediterranean. So it's been summers kind of going between Southampton, England and Venice. Oh, <laughs> right sounds awful <laughs> um, and then we did some scandinavian cruises up through iceland greenland we would spend the falls in canada new england basically from like quebec to new york and then winters in the caribbean so yeah you saw some pretty cool things on that like how because that was how long those were both eight months those were a little bit months. more than eight months each wow. and so you did two of those yeah then it was back to japan and that was when crisis hit then i ruined the the suspense there right (laughs) yeah so a couple months into my second contract in japan i did i tore my meniscus and i ended up having the surgery in japan just because their wait lists were far shorter than what it would take if i moved to saskatchewan had to wait for an mri the chance of me getting that surgery done within a reasonable amount of time just wasn't realistic. But then did you have to pay for it then? No, it was all covered. Oh, covered under your um, insurance with your contract. Yes. Uh, was it weird in the Japan hospital? So having the surgery a second time in Canada, yes, the Japanese one was terrible. It oh, was, was it? Oh, yeah. I was in there oh. for three days. I wasn't allowed a pillow because it might make me nauseous. Oh, it was just everything was so extreme and they were very clear to me going in that they're like this isn't north america the way our hospitals work is slightly different in the end it was just like way overkill yeah. right in when i had the surgery in saskatoon i was dropped off at 8 a.m and i was picked up at two in the afternoon yeah. right it's a meniscus it's it's not an invasive surgery just day surgery yeah yeah so i don't know why it was such a big deal there yeah but three days later and not being able to move i was getting a little antsy <laughs> no pillow too so yeah. i'm sure it was very uncomfortable like, what was that it's funny that 15 years later that's what i remember is no pillow and i was so uncomfortable laying there for multiple days also i've had airport food in japan and i can imagine the hospital <laughs> food is not really great there. I, I, that i don't actually remember but <laughs> okay, probably didn't eat a lot what year was that uh probably 07 08 okay. somewhere so there. then you came home though after your surgery yeah i yeah. was replaced oh which was frustrating yeah because Unfortunately, within the time I actually left Japan, because I stayed another month after the surgery to do the rehab process, Mm -hmm. they allowed me to do that, which was awesome. Um, And then by the time I actually left, I was probably only a couple weeks out from being able to return to the show. Mm -hmm. But rules and corporations and I was done. So we're done. Okay, so then where did that lead you? Okay, so now I go back on another cruise ship. Oh, and that's where I tore it again. (laughs) Okay, and that's when you needed. And then I came back to Canada and. Yeah, when I talked to my doctor, I asked him, I just said, like, what did the knee look like? And he said, as far as he could tell, they opened me up and closed me back up, right? Like, he didn't, something went wrong. The surgery was never done properly in Japan. Um, So I think that's why it, I probably didn't re-tear it. I just tore it further because I don't think the initial one was ever fixed. Right. But he ended up removing about 70% of it. Because now it's been 12, 13, 14 years since that surgery. You've been doing CrossFit for how many years? You've been, you danced for how many years after that? And you haven't had... Um, no, no issues now. Yeah. Luckily. Although I do contribute that to the strength gain. That is something that is so undervalued. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing a better job now. I now teach dance. I teach 
fitness, right? We do TRX at dance. Okay. We're trying to work on um, the strength aspect of it. Yeah. But I don't think my knees ever would have had that issue if I had even half of the strength I do now. Yeah. Right? Dancers are very strong, but they're not strong in all aspects of strength, right? Yeah. So just that raw strength that comes from squatting, right? Um, so second tear, you did on your cruise ship, and then, then what? Sent home again, right? And that was when my career basically ended because the amount of emotional turmoil, once again, second contract in a row, mm -hmm. a few months in, you're the one leaving all your friends, they're dancing, they're traveling the world, they're having fun, you're the one broken and leaving. Mm -hmm. When it happens two times within a year, you start, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Mm -hmm. Maybe my body just can't handle this. And that's when the mental side of that career caught up with me. Yeah. Right? It's tough. So then you were like, oh, I'm just going to teach dance and... and yeah. So I ended up teaching in Saskatoon. Um, I believe I was in Saskatoon five or six years. Mm -hmm. So, But you decided that you were going to give it a whirl again with I going did. to Montreal. I know. And then, and then they say, just get beefier. And then you say, I'm going to do CrossFit. Yeah. And that one more little side story. Actually, when I was in Montreal the second time, I auditioned for Moulin Rouge. And I actually oh. booked that job. Yeah. And when they emailed me to ask me my availability when I could go, that was actually, I had already started CrossFit and as silly as it now sounds a decade later, I didn't want to leave the gym. So I didn't take that job. I don't think I knew this <laughs> yeah. either. So I didn't move to Paris. That would have been a year contract in Paris dancing at the Moulin Rouge. I would, I envisioned myself watching. I don't even know if we were really friends yet, but <laughs> that was, that was pretty early in the, early in your cross within that first year yeah yeah because we kind of became friends uh like we we were just i was like when were we friends like maybe nine months after and uh you'd been doing cross it because you were a morning person and i was an evening person and i only even coached in the evenings i worked out in the evenings so we didn't really cross yeah we never paths. really saw each other at the gym much that first year not until we kind of both started more of the competitive training on weekends and stuff that we'd see each other yeah then you started you know putting some of your scores and stuff into um, that like the app that we had and my husband Curtis was like who is this blonde <laughs> what do he he always thinks that you look uh not German what does he always say oh I don't know but he, he was like who this guy is my arch nemesis he right. never met you before I remember him saying that, that I was the nemesis <laughs> yeah it was probably like one move it was probably like the snatch that that's what I was good at, right? Overhead squatting. Overhead right? squatting, right? Everything that requires a ton of flexibility and yes. mobility. Of course, that was where I kind of shone in the beginning. So I remember people being like, who is this? And because, too, you have a lot of body awareness. So you got muscle-ups right away. And that takes people generally, like, well, for me, years. Yeah. So he's like, who is this guy who comes in starting CrossFit? And within the first year, is like, uh, he's... And at that point, we've been training for, like, three years. He's like, he's like you know, snatching the same as me and doing muscle up. So yeah, he was, you're, you hadn't really met, but he was, you were his nemesis and That's you had, so funny. you had no idea. And Curtis like doesn't really have a nemesis, but he always <laughs> like <laughs> decides right up. And then we became friends. I think everybody has that in a CrossFit gym, right? You always have that one person that you're going head to head with or whether mm -hmm. it even be on the leaderboard or actually in the gym. Oh, 
I like even people who like my nutrition clients are like, you know what, like I've been going to CrossFit classes and I'd like to get, you know, I want to push a little harder. I'm like, find someone in the gym and, you know, look at their scores or whatever it is and just try to try to go hard, like try to beat that score. I know it's it mainly only works for competitive people, you know, people who have that little bit of edge behind them. But yeah, everybody ends up having a person. And then when they have a faster time on a workout, then you're just like, oh, shit, they beat me. <laughs> yeah, you were that to Curtis. Curtis literally doesn't have any nemesis, but you were his <laughs> fake one for a long time. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so life, we lived being friends for a few years and then you moved. The goal was never to live in Saskatchewan permanently, mm -hmm. right? Especially after having traveled out of high school. I knew that I just wanted, I wanted to still live somewhere where maybe a dance career could be mm -hmm. more attainable. Um, in my mind, I'd spent some time in Vancouver between contracts. I loved the city. I love BC. I loved the fact that we have the mountains and the ocean right there, mm -hmm. right? Everything about Vancouver was kind of calling me. Yeah. So I... There's just, and there's more opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you packed up your things. You didn't have a job. No. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was definitely, a, there was a little bit of faith. Um, when I had met my, who then later became my husband, I had told him that I wasn't living here. Like, yeah. so when we met, I was like, Saskatchewan's just kind of like, it's, it's going to come to an end eventually. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with this? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we had kind of talked about like, where would you want to live? And his three were Toronto. Vancouver and Montreal oh, and I cool. said well I agree with the three that you like but I would definitely lean more Vancouver over mm -hmm. the other two just because of where we lived all right we still grew up in the west and yeah even though we're from Saskatchewan it's still this seems a lot closer to home than oh Vancouver totally. or sorry Toronto or Montreal yeah, so yeah neither of you neither of us had, had a job jobs. no you just packed your car with things you got rid of everything else we had a buddy coming with a truck oh okay connor drove oh, out right. with a truck right 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 so yeah no we literally sold off everything that we had and moved came in out with a friend and, yeah you moved into in, nick's apartment yeah downtown vancouver <laughs> and then luckily both of us had full schedules within a few weeks we had managed to yes. fill them up and and I mean, work. also, like, you have a pretty long resume when it comes to dance. So oh, absolutely. it really wasn't that hard for you to find a job teaching dance there. No, exactly. When I was in Saskatchewan, I had definitely, like, fizzled out a little bit on how much I was actually dancing and teaching because mm -hmm. of my CrossFit career mm -hmm. and coaching and CrossFit. I was pretty much doing full-time at that point. Right. But I did understand that when I moved, it was going to have to go back to dance. And that was just... Financially, it just made more sense. The availability of getting a kind of what we would consider full-time hours yeah. um, was going to be easier. So that was the decision. And and then you picked up coaching at the at a gym downtown, coaching CrossFit right away too. Yeah, and like, so it all kind of fell into place, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah, you yeah. didn't move out here and like be poor for no, exactly. <laughs> jobs right away. And yes. then, yes, and then fast forward two years later and you... That's you were still exploring your dance career. I at was. That point. This is true. So yes. funny story is, I had gotten a call from an agency. Um, they knew me. I wasn't signed with them, but they had known me from my previous like dance career, and um, they just said we have this contract. It's in Shamanis, BC. I remember when you told me. I was like, <laughs> "What is?" I've this never place? heard of this place, but 
they were like, it's a four month contract. It's at a small regional theater on Vancouver Island. Um, is this something you'd be interested in? And I was like, well, when do you, as a dancer, you don't just get like jobs handed to you, mm -hmm. right? Like you go to auditions and there's like a whole process of this. Yeah. So the fact that my phone literally rang and they're like, do you want a job? I was like, okay, so yeah, I do, <laughs> right? This is too good. I get to go back on stage. Yeah. I get to kind of live that life that I hadn't lived then, I guess, in eight or 10 years. And I was probably on Vancouver Island three days. Yeah. And I phoned Tyler and I was like, I don't think I can leave this place. Yeah. Like, I truly believe just I became a better person out here. I started driving the speed limit. I chilled out. I would bet my blood pressure dropped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every aspect of it was... It was still BC. It was beautiful. There's still mountains. There's still the ocean. But there's also that familiarity of like small town Saskatchewan in the sense that I was living in Shemanus. I think Shemanus is only about 3,000 people. So it was like it was the best of almost both worlds of everything that I was used to. And to put it into perspective, so where Shemanus is, is like kind of between where Brayden and I live currently now. Like I drive past it to get here. And it is. It's this, it's this cute little town. But that's why when you said... I'm moving to Ladysmith. I'm we're opening a CrossFit gym. I was like, well, why'd you pick? Why'd you choose Ladysmith? Like, why? And it was just because of where we were living at the time. Basically, we went online. We went on CrossFit.com and opened up the map of all the affiliates. Mm -hmm. And we were looking for a city or a town that was large enough that we thought could support a gym. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a niche market. You can't go into too small of a city. Yeah. Um, so we just looked for places that were big enough that we thought could support it. Didn't already have one. Knowing zero people, it wasn't something that we were willing to move into a market and try to become someone's competition. Mm -hmm. I didn't think there was any sense in that, right? right. So even though something Not like... Not like your dumb friend Ashlyn. She's <laughs> like, I'm going to live here and I'm going to start a gym in this place someday. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> You're a little bit more headstrong than I am, right? <laughs> so, because how many people live here? About 8,000. Yeah, because I was like, well, why? You lived in Shemina. like, why don't you do it there? And you're like, oh, it's a little too small. You thought it was just maybe a little too small population. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it is a, also a super cute uh, town. Like Ladysmith, if you've ever been on the island, everybody always seems to know Ladysmith. They always, they drive through here. They usually, like, stop at the bakery or something. With it being right on the highway and kind of smack dab between Nanaimo and Victoria, it's like a fairly common traveled place, mm -hmm. right? We're super close to Nanaimo, and Nanaimo Airport's only a couple minutes away. So I think people are fairly familiar with yeah. where we are. Like, anybody who says that they're traveling out here from Saskatchewan, um, and I would say, oh, I have friends that live in Ladysmith, and they're like, yeah, we went for lunch there on our way through, or we stopped at the... They, the bakery is it's just like this crazy good bakery <laughs> yeah and the like, cinnamon buns literally are like yeah they're world renowned absolutely like, they're yeah. amazing and I, it's so funny because we were just talking to people who were out here and they were like oh we stopped in ladysmith i was like did you go to the baker and she's like no we stopped at the creperie i was like oh i've seen that place i've never stopped there before but i was like it's just so funny because everybody always comes here yeah absolutely so that is kind of what led you to the island yeah that's how we got here and then it was opening the gym and starting a life here and even when we lived friends. in vancouver we knew that the ultimate goal was to own a gym mm -hmm. opening a gym in vancouver um is a little bit different than somewhere like here right yeah. when you're just talking about like startup costs and lease payments and all that it's just a whole different ball game but like in reflection, because I remember when you guys were talking about opening the gym there initially, like you had a neighborhood picked out, like you had a super niche market that you were going. And I on like 
I the startup costs are were going to be astronomical, but you had a great business plan. Yeah, no, we had we had definitely done our research and we had same kind of thing. We had found some place that was probably had enough population to support it, but didn't currently have one. Yeah, right. We're just it didn't appeal to me to open up super close to someone and play that. Yeah, competitive game. And also, you guys were going to market yourselves to like other gay people and like honestly it was where do you ever go to a crossfit gym where i don't know like i feel like that's probably a hard step in for you know other people in in the community and i think that it would have really generated a lot of like look at this gym so inclusive not that other gyms aren't inclusive no absolutely i think it is a pretty good open community yeah as a whole uh but now we're we're in I I still call this small town. Oh, I definitely refer to it as a small town. Yeah, like yeah. we It's bigger than the ones we grew up in, but it's still very much. It's everyone a, who's lived street. here their whole life knows everyone, right? Yeah. And I think that's your telltale sign is. And then you had to make friends. You didn't know anybody. We didn't know anyone in Ladysmith when we moved here. I remember when you came home the very first time um to do teach you had to do some dance teaching. Yeah. Um, and you just opened the gym and you were telling us about a couple of the new members, these two girls that had started at your gym and you were like, oh man, they're just like Paris and Nicole. You can't say this on this podcast because <laughs> you know, they're going to listen to this. They, I've already, they know this oh, story. Oh, I know. No, we laugh about this story all the time. <laughs> they were going to get fit for their upcoming vacation and now they're your long-term members Absolutely. and they became your best friends. Yeah. That's it, kind of funny. <laughs> You're like these two girls, Paris and Nicole, they want to get fit for their vacation. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if they're going to No, the funny. So I think just in their defense, the way that they said it maybe had me thinking that I don't think that was actually the case because they yeah. were going on a vacation <laughs> within about a month. And that was the whole thing. I was like, Oh, I hope they're not like looking on the cover of fitness magazines yeah. and think you can actually radically change your life in four weeks like all these magazines are gonna lie and say you can it doesn't really happen like that and i didn't know where they fell on that whether they're being realistic as to what can happen in four weeks and they must have enjoyed it and because they it, came back and worked. that was four almost three and a half three yeah and a half i guess october ago. 2017 and i just saw jackie's overhead squat in 175 for three the other day well, like, there you go the, they became like not only just like members just for health and fitness like they got a little bit of that competitive crossfit absolutely well we competed the... with them yeah. on our team and that group competition we did yeah i have come out here and did a group competition with these guys and yeah it's just so crazy how things like come like full circle in everything you know from the first day you meet those people and now you're like, they literally turned into some of our best friends here. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, look at how many, like you, like you maybe don't know everybody in the community, but a good chunk of the community would know you guys, like from the, having the gym on main street. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like it really kind of spiraled from, yeah, from there, which was, I thought was a neat, um, going from this, you know, crazy dance around the world to, now we both end up here. And then I'm like, you know what? You moved out here. And my friend Kellen moved out here. And I was like, I'm going to move out there too. Everybody always asks me. They're like, did you move out there because you have family? And I was like, no, my family <laughs> lives in Saskatchewan. Yeah. I was like, but I have friends that live out here. They're like, oh, okay. I situated myself in between the two of you. And now I get to see you guys often. So yeah. it's crazy how life works out that way. Um, so as you guys have grown your business and I mean, it's honestly been 
kind of a crazy last few years just with the way like things have worked out and like unexpected things. I mean, the last oh, like a year now we've been going through a global pandemic, which isn't easy on literally anybody. What what have you guys really noticed? I mean, besides the fact that it's really freaking hard that you've had to do to adapt and to like still stay sustainable in something like this because some people couldn't. I think, well, for one thing, the financial support we got from the Canadian government um, is probably the reason that we're still open, mm -hmm. right? Like I have to preface or preface it with that, mm -hmm. right? This same gym in a town, even in America, right? I don't think they got that support that we did. So that is why a lot of those gyms are closing. So we were able to apply and had some of our um, our lease mm -hmm. covered and things like that, which yeah. really did, it, it was why we're still open. Now in terms of like running a business, I think it's just your ability to pivot, mm -hmm. right? When other gyms were posting online that they were closing because of the pandemic, I never used the close word, right? we were shifting to online mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. And we just, everything that we did was all about how can we make this as smooth as possible because there's no book on this. And I think that's what's, it's a blessing and it's frustrating at the same time because while the world is going a little bit crazy and everyone seems to be at each other's throats, no one has the answers. There's yeah. no manual after this, we can write one and maybe in 100 years, they can learn some things from us. But at the same time, the world's going to be so different the next time a pandemic hits that it's going to be irrelevant. So I tried to just take it day by day. And we really focused on listening to people who we respected and made our decisions based on that. Yeah. Now, in terms of running our gym, a lot of my decisions were based on the gym CrossFit Brio in Saskatchewan or mm -hmm. in Saskatoon, sorry, that we both started at. Right? right. I respect Jocelyn and David. I respect the gym they run. So I was if they would make a decision, I would see do I need to pivot along with that? Um, and then obviously we didn't just do everything they did because being in BC, we had different rules and all that. Right. But I just, I definitely looked to them. Um, Bonnie Henry in BC is, was kind of the voice of COVID. Mm -hmm. And that was just who we chose to base our decisions off of in terms of like the health and safety of our business and our members. I think a lot of people don't understand that the regulations are there to keep us safe first. Mm -hmm. So as much as I can get mad and frustrated and feel like a victim because they're taking my business away from me, those are there for the like the health and wellness of our community. Right. Well, I'm a CrossFit gym. I'm here for the health and wellness of my community, right? So we had to shift along with them because at the end of the day, our goals are the same. Yeah. And I mean, like everybody went through the same um, like shutdown at the beginning, right? Everybody across Canada, but now you see like still Alberta, they're they're still shut down, and honestly, like it's heartbreaking. Like it is. Well, even in BC, it's I find my mental health has been far worse as the restrictions have gotten worse over time, mm -hmm. right? So March and April, beginning of May, we're all locked down, right? But that was okay because everyone was in the same boat. We all opened back up with, it obviously looked a little bit different in here, but for the most part we were opened and classes were almost back to normal. Mm -hmm. Even by the end of summer, I'd say by like August, it looked pretty much in here like it did pre-pandemic. Right. September hits, 
things start not going so well. October hits, the regulations start happening, right? And it just seems like every month now that the, our reins are getting tighter. Mm -hmm. That's what I really have struggled with is dealing with that because we had already thought we were through the worst of it. And it almost appears that like April 2021 although we're going to be open, isn't really any better than April 2020. Yeah. Right? But July 2020 was fantastic. We thought we were back to normal. And I think you said it best because we were talking a couple of weeks ago and you said it's kind of like purgatory, right? You can't grow. You know, you're, you're just kind of like... We're really locked down right now. Like, the BC government has flat out said no high-intensity training. Right. Well, CrossFit is high-intensity training, mm -hmm. right? So once again, it wasn't about, okay, well, we have to close our doors because we're still allowed to train. However, it just has to look completely different. Right. Going back into regular training is going to be interesting as we haven't done a burpee, an air squat, a wall ball. We haven't skipped. Like these are things we haven't done in months now. And our members understand why. And mm -hmm. they are obviously are allowed to train and do all those things at home. But there's a reason why people are in a gym, right? Yeah. So I don't know if everyone is keeping up with their cardiovascular or their endurance as much as they should be yeah. i know i'm not yeah. but at the same time what strong are we allowed though. to do we're allowed to get strong yeah and on the last day of 2020 i managed to pr a couple of my lifts that i didn't think i would do and that really just comes down to the fact that that's what we've been doing so much of so it's also not a bad thing right okay so for the next four five six knock on wood months we're focused on one aspect of our training yeah as restrictions loosen up we can go back to those other things but it's not like we're going to lose all of our strength right we're now just going to keep this as our base and we're going to move forward so i think maybe in the end it's a blessing in disguise well isn't it like who was it was it fakowski who had injured himself maybe i want to say like was it like a low body injury like ankle leg something so then he really had to work on like upper body strength so lots of one, some of the things that he wasn't as good at at the time were like strict handstand push-ups and what. So he would like really hammered on them. And then when his injury was healed, when he came back again, like they said, blessing in disguise, because then he really got to like put the things together because he got to work on those weaknesses that he wasn't that great at before. I, Absolutely. And I use the term not that great because he's a professional <laughs> athlete. Right. He's still very good at them. But you know what I'm saying? So it's, again, like people might be like, Oh, you know, lifting, you know, not a Metcon or a wad like that, you know, isn't as exciting, but in the end, I mean, you'll be stronger when you get back to it. And it's just hard because I think people look, they want to look forward to like a date when they think that things are going to change. And it's just like, I saw a meme the other day. It's like, if Bonnie Henry sees her shadow at 3 p.m. today, we have six, six more, weeks of more restrictions. restrictions. Yeah, I did see that one. And... I was like, it's so true. It is. It's very true. Like, nobody really knows what's going on here again. No. Um, This is a random question. Is outdoor fitnessing allowed, like, when it warms up? I think so. And can that be of any form if people are properly socially distanced because it's outside? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just didn't know if that was, like, an option for, like, group classes and head on down to the grass and do a Metcon. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. A couple like, times a week is all it would take, right, to yeah. keep oh, that up. For sure. And, I mean, you guys are, like, 
like months ahead of like warm weather stuff out here oh exactly yeah i say you guys i forget i live here too <laughs> yeah, right she's referring to people in bc <laughs> people, <laughs> on yeah, the coast that are going to be able coast. to be outside it, even, within a few months it, it even today you could definitely probably work out outside if you yeah. wanted to oh, yeah. it is sun shining like, it's dry yeah yeah absolutely so i guess now that you've been in the business for a few years what have you found like you, you first start out, right? You're just trying to trying to get people into CrossFit, right? They're all fresh and new. Like you probably didn't have anybody come who had done CrossFit before. Is that, did you have anybody who had done CrossFit? I don't think like in the initial intake kind of, no, I don't believe we had any with experience. So you were their very first like glimpse of what it was. You like, they had to, they had to find out if they liked it or not based on what you guys were offering. And I mean, obviously probably your programming and stuff has changed over the years, but how have the members changed? Like besides getting fitter? I mean, that's the obvious, right. but how have they changed? Um, I feel like there's a certain like type of person that is going to go into something blind, right? So a lot of these people, a lot of our initial members had probably never, maybe they'd heard of CrossFit, but didn't know a lot about it, mm -hmm. but they were still just trusting the fact that this is a new gym. Let's go experience it, right? I think that's a type of person. Right. So in the beginning, we ended up getting a lot of these like pretty eager go-getters. And the funny thing is of that initial, with, I think in our first month, we ended up having 30 people sign up. I would bet we still have between 22 to 24 of them. That's really I'm thinking like, I'm just trying to think offhand. Our retention isn't hasn't always been that good yeah but like that just goes to show you like the type of person mm -hmm. so that was really that was really fun in the beginning right to get a lot of people that were really go-getters and then i think as it becomes more established and people realize who we are and what we're all about that's when you're maybe going to get some more of the people who are wanting those other people to go ahead and seeing how it how it is for them right mm -hmm. like would you say that most of your like clients that have come to you through the years have been just referral based or they just saw you like you like you're literally right mm -hmm. on main street I th no, I think for the most part, the people who walk by and look in the doors are more scared than they are <laughs> encouraged to come. <laughs> I can actually agree with that. Right? Like, that's kind of what CrossFit is. It looks way more intimidating than it is. Yeah. I'm going to say that 99% of the people who have told me after their first foundation classes that it was like so much less intimidating than they assumed it was going to be, right? Yeah. That is the common theme in CrossFit. Everyone's scared walking through the door and everyone realizes really quick that it's not that scary, right? The people do love to, because you are in such a visible place. They love to stare through the window and watch you work out. Like, this on... is so awkward for me as much as they think it's like, oh, so scary and intense. I'm like... Well, especially when it's dark out outside and it's <laughs> the building's glowing on the inside. Like it's so... Everyone can see in here. It's loud music. There's barbells. People are swinging around bowl. on rings. Like yeah. that does look like craziness. It's not really like that. No. It's not like that. Um, okay. So now you're, you're in like a different phase now, totally with all of your members. Like they've gone from those newbies, newbies who didn't really know what CrossFit was. Some of them have like taken a little bit more competitive edge to it. Like, what have you found has been the most effective for taking people f who are brand spanking new into that, you know, next level, like, you know, getting wanted to compete a little bit? 
I think a lot of the times if they come either with a buddy or they find one when they're here, mm. that is really good for just overall accountability. Yeah. We don't do a ton of accountability with our members. And that's definitely probably a business flaw that we could be doing. I got to say, no one held my hand the first four years of my CrossFit journey. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that's what I've kind of associated with. Like, I don't want to, if I have to hold your hand to get you in the gym. Yeah three times a week maybe this isn't for you yeah and in that sense and i know from a business aspect that's probably not the right answer mm -hmm. because you just want more right more people is more money that's how you run a successful business but for me i want to make sure that the people who are here are here because they want to be here they see our value and they see our worth mm -hmm. and i think even the fact that we are a premium price right like we're the most expensive gym that in the area, yeah, right of the cross, us and all the other CrossFit gyms, right. CrossFit but there's is a just reason, more expensive. right, right, because you have a trainer there at all times. Someone's leading you through every classes. It just it's a different idea on fitness than it is just going to the gym by yourself. Yeah, right. You get built-in accountability if you show up to the class. Yeah, and people are making sure that you are moving the best to your abilities as well. But like. I agree with that because I'm also not that person who like, you know, let's, this is probably going to annoy some people, but MLM multi-level, like they'll feel free to reach out to somebody and send them a message and Hey girl, you know, like you want some, you know, face stuff. I would never reach out to someone and be like, Hey, just wanted to let you know that I'm offering nutrition because well, also I don't think that the people would take it seriously, even if they were convinced to sign up for it. Um, so if they're not taking it serious and I'm working in, you know, a referral based business, well, then that doesn't reflect really good on me, even though I convinced them initially that they should pay for it. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the fit for them. I don't feel like people are ready to commit until they come to me. Absolutely. And I think that's what you guys feel like here too. Yeah. Like I could hold your hand for three months and like text you to come in, you know, to your workout a few times. Um, I will say though, like back the, the gym that we worked out in Saskatoon, um, we were in this really, really tiny location and this was before Braden started. And I, I don't even know how many people were in max in a class there. Like maybe I want to say maybe eight or so. It was, okay. it was a tiny spot, but like, but there wasn't like, that was like a busy class. So, you know, maybe there was like four or six people in the class. So you really got to know the people, especially if you showed up at this, like the same time all the time. But I remember I always went at like seven o'clock or seven thirty, whatever the time was then. And one day they messaged me and were like, Hey, you didn't come. And I was like, Oh, they do. They do care that I didn't come. And I just had something going on. But it was like, I was a regular at that time. I wasn't there. Where was I? Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm not just another person. And that was when they were like small, like didn't have 300 or whatever members they have now. So um, yeah, it's just something that I reflect back on. I was like, yeah, okay. I guess they did care about me. And it wasn't that I wasn't like slacking off or anything. Right. It's, it's nice to know people care. But yeah, I want to know that when I'm working with you, I think another thing, as a CrossFit coach, you're emotionally invested in your clients and your gym, mm -hmm. right? The community as a whole. So if you're, we kind of, it's kind of going back to that like personality type. If you're in a class and you're there with, in front of you is eight to 10 people who are genuinely there because they're enjoying the process, they're liking the results they're seeing, 
that is the quickest, easiest hour to coach. You get another class and the overall mood of that class is negative or people are there and you can tell that it's just not clicking the way that you want it to, Mm -hmm. then that becomes emotional on me, right? And I am, I'm an empath. I'm that person. I pick up on people's energies all the time Mm -hmm. and I need, I thrive on positivity. If you want me to do something, don't reprimand me, right? I need to be encouraged through positive reinforcement. That's just my personality type and I'm not embarrassed to say that. Yeah. But The negative side of that is when that negativity is around me, it does really get me down. So in terms of how much do I want to, and it's not that I don't email my clients if I haven't seen them for a bit, if I know that they're like committed to the process, right? Right. It's, It's that maybe in our systems, we could have a better job of having things preset so that they do get a check-in weekly in the beginning and bi-weekly months two through four. You know what I mean? Like there's things I could definitely do be doing better. I know. And so, okay. I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, but this, like some gyms are like, okay, well, we'll set you up with, um, like a, a buddy, you know, somebody who's been here, um, for a while because it can be like a little overwhelming. Like I literally, so I don't know if people really do this anymore. Do gyms really like post their workouts publicly anymore? I don't see it as I would say probably not just because we all now have apps and it would literally be another step. Yeah. Right? Like my members get their workout shot to their phones at 7 p.m. the night before. So I don't need to go through that extra step to now post it online. Right. It's not that I wouldn't or I care. It's just it's irrelevant. Yeah. So why do the extra work? So back in the day when there wasn't apps, you always, people put it on their website. And so in the morning you would wake up and you would check the workout. And so then I would literally have to go through the movements and Google what each of them works. I was like, okay, I know I've done this before, but I can't remember which one it is. And, uh, and I think that's where sometimes people get lost in the journey. They're just like, it's just too complicated for me. Even though when you show up, I'm literally going to show you how to do all of the movements, make sure you're doing them all correctly, choosing the right weight, but it can be, yeah, it can just be a lot when you've come to a place and you're in a group of people and you feel stupid. Like you're like, I don't understand any of these words. What's AMRAP? What's snatch? What's, you know, yeah, like, there's a huge learning e-mom? curve. Like, right? I have no idea what these words are. And now I say them someday. And I said to one of my personal training clients the other day, I was like, okay, we're going to do a 15 minute AMRAP. And she was like, what's the AMRAP? And I was like, oh, yeah, like I, I forget that I still need, even though she's been coming for a couple months, like I still need to say as many rounds and reps as possible in 15 minutes. Like they just, it takes a little bit to, for it to remember. And I think sometimes that's where people are like, well, it's too, it's too complicated. It's not even that like I didn't like the workout or anything. Uh, well, sometimes people just don't like feeling uncomfortable because let's be honest, it's a different feeling when they first start and they find it hard to feel uncomfortable in front of a group of people, even though no one's watching how right. uncomfortable you are. I'm worried about myself as I'm like crawling across the floor on my hands and knees. We've even done that with recording scores is we've played around with like, do you put the RX? So in CrossFit, typically if a score has an RX behind it, it means they did the workout prescribed as written on the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where like even so far as the weight of like the barbell yeah. is going to be written on the board. Our goal is for you to get to be able to do this move at this weight, mm-hmm. right? And In 90, a timely manner. And 90% of your gym isn't going to hit that RX. Yeah. Or it wasn't for us, right? Because we're still so new. Um, 
but that's like the goal to work towards. Mm -hmm. Then we dropped the RX and we, we went through probably about six, eight months where we just didn't post a recommended weight. Mm -hmm. Instead, we talked a little bit more about how the workout should feel. Mm -hmm. And there's absolutely people in our gym that benefited from that. And then there's people who honestly didn't because they wanted to know where they ranked against people doing the same. They don't care about if you do 12 rounds, but yours is twice the weight of mine. There's no way for us to relate that, right? These are completely different workouts now. Right. So as much as it benefited client A, it was actually worse for client B. And that's, I don't know the right answer. And I don't think there really is one because people are different and they're going to benefit from different stimulus. Yeah. Right. Um, and I have seen two gyms doing like level one, level two, level three. Um, do you guys do that? Like, we don't. Like it would be like, so level one would be, you know, the workouts prescribed at the weight would be 135 for the ladies, 95 for the girls. Then the level two workout, maybe the weight is scaled at, you know, 95, 65. And then level three, maybe it's 75, 55. And then well, and let's be honest. That's why we have a coach, mm -hmm. right? The coach is there to do that for the people individually. So do we do that? No, we don't write it on the whiteboard. Do we still recommend and kind of partition our clients based on are you new? Are you more in that intermediate phase? Are you fairly self-reliant, right? So we definitely have that hierarchy. We just don't write it on the board. That's get, the coach's job. Do you get that struggle, though, from people who are oh. like, I, do they still do that with you guys? Um, like, I want to do the RX weight. I want to do the heavier weight. Some people. Yeah. It's, it's very much on an individual basis, as I think it is at most gyms. Yeah. Right? You're going to have those people that the number, they somehow associate that with their worth in the gym. Right? So if I can't squat X amount of pounds and this person can, they're better than me. And I would rather look at my clients and have them work towards what's appropriate for them, but celebrate their own wins, right? We're all so different. Like I started CrossFit with what I considered a very bad knee, right? Mm -hmm. Two surgeries in. So I was a little bit wary of that in the beginning. It would have been silly for me to judge myself based on Curtis, who maybe doesn't have a knee injury, who had already been there two years. Like he looked at me as his nemesis, but I wasn't looking at him as that mm -hmm. because he was, I had him in a completely different ballpark, yeah. right? Like he was two years in, he was established. And he was like squatting literally like at that time, probably like 400 pounds. Right. You know? like, <laughs> I still don't have a 400 it's, pound it's squat. It's so funny that he, like th that was it's so funny how people look at others. Yeah. You know, he's like, you, because you could snatch really well off the start and do muscle-ups. He was like, that's, he's definitely my, like, equal. And you were like, that guy's pretty strong. Like, it was the open, too, right? The open is my time to shine. Mm -hmm. Typically because they're always going to put something in there that demands that higher level of skill. Yeah. There's years where the first move of the workout was double unders. Well, that got a lot of people. Muscle-ups, well, that mm -hmm. got a lot of people. Have we had pistols in the open? Uh, just recently. 
Okay, so if we did, like, that would be fantastic for me. That would be another moment where you're going to look on the whiteboard and be like, oh, he must be good. Well, no, I'm just better than the average person at that move because my history as a dancer comes into play. Right, and uh, Curtis isn't as good at double unders. That's one of his worst. And pistols would be something that we also... Curtis and I are very similar in athletic... Like, he's just really good at muscle-up, so... But I am not as good at, like, pistols and, like, you know, I'm better at double unders than he is, but I'm still not, like the best at them like brain's really good at double under so it just goes to show you know how different people are and based on their backgrounds but um like you went into a gym that was like established had lots of competitive athletes at it because their goal at the time was to compete and lots of people wanted to go to regionals so when you kind of went into that gym like you saw this glimpse of people who you don't get at a lot of other gyms. And then you went on to coach um, at CFBC in Vancouver. And again, another established gym. And they even had people who went to the like CrossFit games there. So like, yeah. you're like, again, you get this taste of like, you know, and then you start a brand new fresh gym in a place that's never even really heard of CrossFit before. Like it's a different dynamic. So what have you found, I guess, has been like the biggest thing that has gotten the clients the furthest that they've gotten, like the ones that have excelled, how have they gotten to that part? And the ones who are still kind of, they want to get there, but they're not quite there yet. Like what's the difference between those two types of people? What makes somebody coachable and what makes, you know, what's that in between look like? Cause there are people out there that are like, I want to be better, but why aren't I as good as that person? I feel like we're doing the same exact thing. We're doing the same programming. Why are they so much better than me? I think every person needs to realize that there's way more variables than we will ever understand when we're in something like a CrossFit gym, right? You take client A who is taller than the average person, client B who's shorter than the average person. Well, both these people are going to have strengths and weaknesses, but they're going to be completely different. So to compare them to each other is kind of silly, right? And that's but when people you do, but people do, right? So that's probably on us. We need to do our part to remind people just how important it is to understand that sometimes you're going to be comparing apples to oranges and that's you're not going to benefit from that. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to truly be coachable? I think is just the ability to apply corrections, but there's like an aspect of believing it, right? If I tell you, I want you to do this, not only do I want you to apply that correction, but I want you to understand that I'm bringing that to you from years of experience. Mm -hmm. So if I'm saying, hey, I want you to go 30 pounds lighter than you did last week on these squats. But I want you to focus on that depth today. I don't want that client to do what I say, go home and then be frustrated with me because I made them go what they would consider light. Yeah. What I want them to do is go, okay, so he's saying this to me because he understands that I'm going to do better by going lighter, moving with higher quality, which is going to get me better strength in the long run, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know if I always articulate that. I think I'm pretty good at letting clients understand that the quality of movement is always going to be better than the weight or the reps, mm -hmm. right? We have, it's kind of fun coming into a gym and because we had about five or six years experience when we opened this gym, 
things that had evolved that we had witnessed evolved, we got to kind of walk into day one. I remember you commenting, you're like, why are there so many people in this gym that can handstand walk? And I'm like, well, because literally within our first couple months, we started incorporating those into a workout because even though that was we never heard of that in the beginning when we started CrossFit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of become the standard. Yeah. So, or things like our toes to bar, right? Where the majority of our clients have really straight legs. It's like, it's a really pretty looking toes to bar, mm-hmm. but they had replicated that off of us who had six years experience getting to that point. Yeah. So it's kind of fun when you start with this blank slate, that learning curve is still super sharp, but you're avoiding all the stuff that we learned as coaches, yeah. right? The quality of movement today is far superior than it was when we started oh. CrossFit, oh. right? Even when you started, it was way better than when I started. Absolutely. Like it was, we Everybody, including the coaches, the owners, were all learning at the same time, I feel, um, when I started. And it was just like, can you get up on those rings? Like, it doesn't matter what it looks like or, you know, what, how you're doing it. Just get yourself up there. Right. Like, that was really celebrated. Whereas now we're like, okay, I'm going to let you have that one as your first one, but I actually never want to see it look like that again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to post this anywhere in celebration because we want it to look perfect. It, it's like total different mentality. I think part of that is like coming into a, new sport but also having the sport itself be so new Mm -hmm. you know what i mean if we had opened a karate studio and we had all this experience in karate well karate's been around for years right there's some people that are so established you go back and look at the crossfit games we're talking the best of the best 10 years ago and you're gonna be like people wow (laughs) we've really evolved people were still getting their first muscle-ups at the crossfit game yeah like people the sport itself is evolving at such a rapid pace that we're able to walk in and bring just that much more of an established. I'm laughing right now because I love that you chose karate as your <laughs> instead of dance. <laughs> like if I opened a dance studio, I, I would have been like. Okay, this is another great <laughs> option that I could have used. Yeah, you would have like. Your I was dance. just trying to think of something yeah. that was really established. And like dance. I don't know what. Like dance. Yes, sure. This is where I had to because I'm like karate. Yeah. <laughs> I knew where you were going with it, though. That's the main thing. Yeah. But yeah, it is fantastic to see that you can, and it'll be so different. Like back when I started coaching CrossFit too, um, we also had a lot of female coaches on staff. It just was the way that it worked. Um, I don't know why. And I don't know why that was. It was a mainly female coaching staff there. Most of the men who were being coached by the ladies were very receptive to the feedback. Um, but then you would still get your pushback from some of the guys who were like, I don't care how long you've been doing this or how much weight you can lift. And, you know, like, even if I was stronger than them, they'd be like, I am not listening to something that a woman says. And those were the ones that were like, kind of like quickly weeded. I was out. just going to say, I was like, and chances are those are the people that are no longer in the gym. Yeah. Right. And, and I like, you'll see much, much less of that nowadays. Like they they wouldn't even make it past, you know, kind of day one. But I feel like when you start a brand new gym with brand new people, like they just look to you because they have no clue what's going on. So everything that you say is like the word of God, because (laughs) that's all that they, I also, 
that was laughing because I came and uh, I get to coach here sometimes and I came and did like a snatch seminar with them the one day and they were like such good students like they were so <laughs> like they listened so well and they, they they really wanted to show me like they were applying the corrections that I made and um and you were like what <laughs> class is this like who are these people my favorite thing and by favorite I mean not favorite at all <laughs> is when you've given a client a correction a hundred times mm -hmm. and somebody else tells them it once mm -hmm. and their mind is blown yes. and their world will forever be changed because of this and you had that with a couple of them and as happy as I am yep. that you were their breakthrough that day when they came to me they're like oh my god Ashlyn told me this and it completely changed my life I'm like oh yeah because I haven't told you that every week yep. for the last two years <laughs> and the thing is too like you move so well with a barbell like I do now but when I first started my CrossFit career I moved terribly and uh, I really had to like overcome years of like poor movement patterns to you know be able to move weight like I do now but you always had moved perfectly with a barbell like literally and I'm not throwing out the word perfectly. Well yeah that's a bit of a stretch but, but no I definitely have moved well. Yeah. yeah it's it's true and so you have somebody coming in who is like literally moves so perfectly with the barbell and the clients are like Ashlyn she knew <laughs> yeah, what was she, missing. Man that's a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like the ability to take that feedback and really apply it. You know what? Like there's some days um, in my training, I'm like, I literally have no idea when I, why I'm, I'm doing this, but I know that it's for a purpose, right? Like there's, there's always a purpose behind what we're doing. I don't even like question why I'm just like, okay, here we go. And then you see the progress that you make and you're like, okay, it's all of those days added up of all of the reasons why I did, didn't know what we were doing that added up to this big change. And I think that's something people need to trust the process. It's like with anything, nutrition, anything, you need to trust the process. You need to listen to the people that are the experts and you literally pay these people money because you want to be better and be part of that community and... And be okay with the process that everything is going to take longer than you want it to. Yeah. Whether it's losing weight, whether it's getting stronger, whether it's improving your barbell technique. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, literally everything that I've done in reflection has taken years, you know? Well, I've gone back and reworked lifts, like myself even, to, you know, and watching YouTube videos and things like that, that other people just, like, come now to a gym and, like, they, t I think they take for granted that they have their coach there watching their every move and you're just a, you know, that same old face that's there to them every day, mm -hmm. which I think people take a bit of granted. It's kind of good though. This is, I feel like even tonight, I'm going to start coaching here in a couple hours and maybe that can be my little renewed reminder too, that I am the coach and I need to make sure that the client understands that I'm giving them this feedback based on mm -hmm. my years of experience, not because I watched a YouTube video and want to change their squat. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a there's a lot of hours, hundreds of thousands of hours have gone into me getting the knowledge base I have. But even like you're still like evolving still, like you still are watching um, different ways to do things and applying different techniques to that. That's a great thing about also social media and things like that. If I see something the way that I like, I like the way that 
movement looks compared to mine. Like maybe I can pull something from that too. Like I think people think social media is just liking photos of other people's things on Facebook or Instagram, but like I've learned a ton from the experts that are on it posting things. And yeah, like people, if you want to get better at things, like it's just also besides listening to your coach, just like be receptive and like be watching other people and, you know, but also don't be like, I saw this on, (laughs) this is the way I should be doing it. You're also not an expert, you know, like listen to your coach, but yeah, being coachable is huge. Listening to the cues and the tips and things that, but I think when I say that too, about the familiar face, it's just like, sometimes they forget to like, now you're their friend maybe. Yeah, for sure. And then that plays a role into it too. And that's that small community that you've got to, everybody is friends. And sometimes your friend's going to piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a great place to leave things. Thanks for coming on here with awesome. me. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You got to tell your whole story. Well, truly everything. <laughs> I actually feel bad that I didn't know some of those things about you. Uh, and I'm glad that we got to do that. Today. There we go. Yeah, it was a nice little trip down memory lane for me too. It was. Head over to my Instagram page at sweat underscore effect for all of my insights, experiences, and daily doses of goodness. Until next time, keep on having fun and keeping fit.